going to be opportunities. We've been talking about this in your life when you're standing on the edge of a Jordan River. And that Jordan River might be a fear. It might be an opportunity. It might be a challenge. It may be trouble. It could be relational. It could be with a job. And you have to make a decision. Is God trustworthy? Will you go forward and trust Him? Or will you turn back? Rely on yourself and turn back and kind of wander around. For however long you'll be wandering around in a desert place until you can see that God is God and you're not. And He is good enough to do that for each of us. To let us choose our way and wander. And He's good enough to not leave us as we learn. Let's pray. Father, as we look again into this book, this story, this narrative, these events that took place as you drew your people toward your promised land and toward your promises, I pray that you give us wisdom and insight, each one of us, wherever we're at in our journey, and that you would speak to us through your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So I am going to quickly read through Joshua chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you or one in the, on the on chair in front of you underneath, grab it. So it's right after Deuteronomy, the beginning of the Bible. So Joshua chapter 2, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim over to look over the land, and he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king in Jericho was told, Look, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when the time was to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in hot pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God of heaven above and earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, 
We'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived on was part of the wall. Now she said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return. Then go on your way. Then the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the, unless we enter the land. You have this cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside the house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back, and they went out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So wanted to just have a little chat about this story and the elements that are being included there. And a couple of things I don't want to miss to point out is that maybe you're here today or maybe it doesn't happen right now, but you might be thinking, you know what? I don't know who this God is. I don't know if he cares about me. I don't know if he knows my name. There's all these Jews we're reading about, these Hebrews that came out of Egypt, but does God even notice individuals? I'll tell you, we got two and a half million people on the bank of the Jordan, and God knows about a woman in Jericho. He knows about a woman who's labeled six times she's mentioned in Scripture. Five of those times specifically connected with her name is that she's a prostitute. She's a harlot. And so maybe you're thinking, well, God don't care about harlots. God don't care about prostitutes. And I'm not even one of those, and God doesn't care about me. But if you hear anything else out of this story, you need to know that God not only knows your name, He knows the hairs on your head, He knows your situation, He knows your story, He knows where you've been, He knows where you are, He knows where you're going. And here's a story of these people on the banks of the Jordan River crossing over to a land that they've been waiting 400 years that God had promised them. And now they're coming into the land and God cares about individuals. God knows individuals' names and He knows the attitudes of their hearts and their minds toward Him. And I just want, I just want you to realize and think about the fact that God knew Rahab was there. Out of all those godless people in Jericho, we read about why that they're going to be destroyed. Back in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, it said these people were godless people. They were sacrificing their own children in the fire to other gods. 
They were practicing all kinds of immorality. And so it said that the sin, their sin had reached its limit. And now God was going to take them out. But they had year after year, decade after decade, century after century to repent if they so choose. And so there's some key elements to this story. Joshua sent the spies in secretly. It was interesting, back in Numbers, he sent 12 spies. This time he only sends two spies. And the two, the, back in Numbers, 12 of those spies, there was 10 that had a bad report and two that had a good report. Joshua was one of the two that had a good report. So maybe he learned something. He said, I'm going to send less people this time to spy out the land. And it's very interesting that um, it says, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, it doesn't give us a lot of information about how they figured out that's the place to go. Some think that there's a there's some... Um, way to recognize that uh, a prostitute's house. And maybe they thought since it says in chapter 6 that the city was shut up tightly. Nobody was coming in. Nobody was going out. So they're spies, and they think, where would we least be suspected? And maybe in this house, because it doesn't quite give us a clear explanation, if, if they went to, an, was it an inn, or if she was an innkeeper? And it was a house of ill repute, ill repute, that she's a prostitute. So people are coming and going. So maybe there was less suspicion if that's where they went. But I think there's a bigger picture. There's a God who knows her name. And there's a God who knows where she lives because of what it tells us in the text. That of all those people and all that they knew, here's a person who believed. She hadn't seen them cross the, the uh, Red Sea. That happened 40 years earlier. You're saying, our people remember that. We remember that. You're the people who came out of Egypt 40 years ago. And remember, we remember. We remember the past and now the present that you just took over those Amorite kings. On that side of the Jordan, we know that. And our hearts are melting in fear. And so out of all those people in that city, God knew where to send those spies. And they sent him to this woman who is courageous, and she's going to make a decision. And she, we see her make a decision that was going to basically cost her her life if she's found out. And because the city was held up, shut up tightly, nobody's coming in and out without the king's notice, the king notices right away, hey, there's a couple men that came to your place. And these aren't ordinary people who come to your place. They were the Israelites. What did you do with them? Where are they going? Turn them over to us. And so she'd heard rumors about this God of the Hebrews. Can you imagine from her perspective, she'd heard rumors about this God of the Hebrews. Now two of God's people come knocking on her door. And all she does is just welcome men. Everybody, it says, the whole people were melting in fear because of God, but not everybody was responding in faith. 
What does it mean to respond in faith? What does it mean to welcome God's invitation when God is knocking on your door? What does it mean to welcome Him and then to put your trust in Him? Because she has to put her trust in this God, this God she's heard of. Let me read that section again from verse 8. It says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she took the initiative. She went up to see them and she said, she said, I think. Doesn't say that. I hope. Doesn't say that. I wonder. I'm curious about. Know what she says. I know. I know. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Can you imagine the spies? They're, they're kind of going in trembling in fear maybe, hoping not to get busted, and all of a sudden they're getting the report that God has gone ahead of them. God's already there. Not, and then they, they're reminded what they may even forgot about. We heard how the Lord dried up the water from the Red Sea. Man, they're elbowing each other going, dude, that's 40 years ago. Joshua can say, I was there. And so these two spies that he sent in, maybe Joshua handpicked some men who did have some faith, who had, because uh, they had would have had faith to hear what's going on, so they come back and give the right report, the report that there is a God in amongst these people who were, in the other people's eyes, giants in the land. And she goes on to say, We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to those kings, those two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan. So what happened in the past and what happened is in the present. And now we know what, I know what's going to happen in the future, she said. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because you, for the Lord your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. And she knows that herself and her people, their time is up. And she has to make a decision. She has to decide, am I going to stick with my people, what I've known, the life I've known, or am I going to give that up? Am I going to start to trust and believe what I've heard? And it says that she does believe. She recognized that. And we need to know in the big picture, there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. So there's a sto- this is a story not of just the redemption of a nation and them coming into the, the promised land. It's a story of individuals. And so she has to make some decisions there. Is she going to, at any moment, she could have turned him in. At any moment, she could have, you know, given into her own fear. Because all the other people's hearts are melting, but they're not acting in faith. They're not recognizing that God is on the move. She said, I know the Lord has given you the land. She believes that this is what is happening. She recognizes it and she responds in an act of faith. It's interesting that in the book of Hebrews, there's a chapter called chapter 11 and it's known as the Hall of Faith. Kind of like we have a 
the Hall of Fame, football and basketball, baseball. This is called the Hall of Faith. And there's name after name in there, but there's only two women mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the Hall of Faith. One of them is Sarah, Abraham's wife, and the other is Rahab, the prostitute. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just read that real quick. Because out of all the people that could be mentioned, her name goes down in history as a woman of faith, a woman of courage. And it says that you follow the story of the history and it comes to, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So God acknowledges what she's done as an act of faith and an act of response to the God who has she's only heard of. And now she's coming to recognize and see and understand. And it says also in the book of James, her name is included. And it says in James chapter 2, it says, You see that his faith, talking about Abraham, and his actions were working together, and his faith were made complete by what he did. So faith without action is fiction. You may say that you believe in God, but if there's no action to back up your faith, that's fiction. Faith is action. Faith in action. What did she do? She responded. It says, The Scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. You see that a person is justified by what he does, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. So at the risk of her life, she banked on her faith. She put her faith and her basically put her money where her mouth is and acted in faith to trust this God that she had only heard of. And so the evidence from Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that Rahab risked her life to change her life. She risked her life to change her life to side with God's people, those who believe. I know that the Lord is giving you land. And Scripture tells us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Do you believe this? Even for prostitutes? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says in 1 Timothy, the Lord doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all men to come to know Him. And it's crazy because this prostitute, in her life, there's a family in her future, there's a wedding in her future, and there's a child in her future. And God knew her name before the spies came. And he sent her just to that one person. It was, and I, as I was thinking about this, I've been thinking about this for a while as we're entering into Joshua. An incident happened yesterday just reminding me how much God cares for individuals, how much God cares for you. The our neighbor lady had come out of her driveway and with the truck that she hadn't driven for a while and the hood's a little bit hard to get buckled, right? So it didn't get quite latched when she put the hood down. So if you, you know if you've ever driven with your hood out and latched, it has a tendency to catch some wind and come up, right? 
Well, I'm live right down the street from her, and I was somehow I was delayed yesterday getting myself up here. And my wife will tell you I kind of pondered leaving home, and I left home about three different times, and uh, went back in the house, came back in. So when I get to the end of my driveway, I look down, and here's my neighbor waving to me. And I look just beyond her, and there's a pickup truck. And I see the hood up, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't have a tow strap, but I'll drive over and I'll see what I can do, because I didn't know it was wrong yet. And then she told me, and I looked at the hinges, and I thought, man, if Weston was here, he could fix this. And I thought, if Lester was here, he'd fix this. And then, you know, the Lord said, Chris, you're here. You can fix this. So we tinkered with it a little bit. But it just, I'm driving away, and I'm thinking, God, I would have been gone. I, w- I wouldn't have been home. And, you know, the truck is sitting right on the corner, not in a very safe place, and it took a second to get it fixed. And I thought, wait a minute. God, you know the names of individuals. You know the hair on their head, except for Randall, who has only three left. But, um, sorry, bud. Um <laughs> But we have a God, and every one of us, from time to time, we come under the the voice of the enemy, and he tells us we don't matter. He tells us God doesn't love us. And here is a one individual, and I bet if there was more, there were more. And she said, "Listen, my mother, my father, and all of my household. We and she's drawing people to herself. Come into my house. Come under the protection of the Lord." Maybe you're still wondering and your hearts have been melting in fear. But listen, come here to this house and stay in this house and we'll be protected. And it tells us her house was part of the wall. And we know that the walls crashed in. You should think about when they went around the city and the walls came tumbling down. One section of the wall didn't go down. And it was Rahab's house. And everybody was in there was safe. Five times in Scripture, her name is mentioned. Each of those times, her name is connected with the fact that it says Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the harlot. But only one time is it just given her name, and that's in Matthew chapter 1, when it says that she's in the lineage of not only King David, but the lineage of Jesus. Because when we go forward in chapter 6, look what it says in chapter 6, just a sneak preview. In chapter 6, verse 22, Joshua sent the two men who spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out. So this is when they've gone across the river now. The walls are coming down. This is the instruction. Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all that belonged to her in accordance with her oath, the oath you gave to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all who had been along to her. They brought them out of her and her entire family, and they put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city. But look what it says, verse 25. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men. Joshua sent the spies, the men who... He had sent to spy out the land. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So she not only changed 
allegiant to the foreign gods, to the one true God, the God of heaven and earth, the God who gives land, the God who keeps his promises, she also found a new family. And it tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that not only did she change her life, but in Matthew chapter 1, let me just read this to you. Matthew chapter 1, she not only found a new family, but she found a husband and a child and a heritage. And this is the one place in Scripture out of the six places mentioned. Five other times it says Rahab the prostitute. Here it just gives her name. In chapter 1 of Matthew, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. So she's in the lineage of Jesus. And we see that um, your past does not dictate your future when you put your faith in God. Others had heard, she believed. She never saw it, she heard it. And she responded in faith to what she heard. Listen, if your faith depends on what you see, if your faith depends on sight, what happens in the dark? to that kind of faith. It won't hold you up. And we're all going to go through dark times. So she believed by what she heard, and God sent messengers of his own people to her house. And so that is an encouragement to us and to them. I'm sure they were blessed by it. And when they went back to Joshua to tell him, they said, you won't believe what happened to us. You won't believe it. This is what took place. They're terrified of us. They remember what God did in Egypt. And we even forgot that. Ten times we failed to trust God throughout the desert. That's why we've been wandering 38 years. Boy, I would hope that you would end your wandering. If you've been wandering and you've been believing the lie that God doesn't care about you, maybe because of something in your past, maybe because of something in your present, and you've been listening to voices that you don't matter, here's a story. Here's a story. God cares about individuals. And God cares about individuals that maybe our society thinks don't need to be cared for or aren't worthy to be cared for. The city of Jericho was under judgment because the people were under God's judgment. Their sin had reached its full. They had rejected God. They'd sinned greatly against God for years and decades. But God had been patient with them. They've had enough time. And Rahab, her faith in God, what she believes in the midst of this godly society, in the midst of a godless society, she believed And God knew she was there. And God went on a rescue mission. She had faith in God. It's amazing. There's we don't even have the names of the two spies. 
And we have the name of the one who God sent ahead of them to protect them by his great grace, his design. Luke 12, it says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing. In Psalm 147, it says that he's placed each star in place and he knows them each by name. It would be awfully ungrateful, ignorant, downright wrong for any one of us to think that God doesn't love us and that God doesn't care for us and that God doesn't watch over us. So we're grateful that he included this precious woman who someday we'll meet and she can tell us her own story. Father, we're thankful for your amazing grace. And we're thankful that in that prostitute's life, there was a future and a hope. There was a wedding. There was a husband. There was a family. And she's included in your bloodline, Jesus, because of you're that gracious, you're that kind, you're that much in control of how things unfold as people look to you. Pray that each of us would find a better understanding, God, of trusting you, of putting our trust in you, that we would deal with our doubt and our unbelief seriously, and that we would act out our faith, because in fact we do act out our faith every day. Sometimes we're acting out the faith that says, I don't believe in God. Lord, help us to act correctly and rightly in trusting you with our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.